thank you for, for coming tonight. And for those of you who are on Zoom or who are out there tonight, we're going to talk about uh, the living trust and why it's so important and how it deals with the state planning. And uh, so part of the state planning navigators or the state planning gurus. And uh, so really just want to kind of talk about a way to protect your assets. And so the number one, and you'll see as we go through the number one reason that people uh, need a living trust and not just a will uh, is because we want to avoid this thing called probate. And we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. So my name is Brian Arnold and I will be the person who's talking tonight. So um, a living trust, uh, should everybody have one? If you have over $74,000 in assets or you have any real estate at all, you're a person in this country that needs a trust. Some folks think it's just for seniors. I uh, think it's for people who you know are getting ready to die, uh, but we don't know you know when our number is going to be called, uh, and if we want to pass on those assets to our loved ones, then it's important. And so uh, when we talk about a living trust, we're going to talk about uh, more than just you know the the death benefit or the benefits when you die, uh, but there's some living benefits as well. Uh, so what is a living trust? A couple items to keep in mind is I just said that once age is not a factor and everyone uh, should have one. Uh, if you do not have a living trust, it would be most advisable uh, for somebody to consider one. Uh, a lot of folks think about their parents, they think about their aunts, their uncles, grandmas. Uh, that's super important to even start having the conversation. Uh, we're gonna record this so you'll be able to, you know, if, if they're not on tonight, we'll be able to give you access to being able to find out why it's so important in our country. And so uh, what there's, for us anyways, we can do, it's kind of a, a trivia question. We can do a living trust in just about every state. Can anybody guess what state we cannot do one in? Alaska. Nope, not, we can do them in Alaska. New Jersey. New Jersey, we can do them in New Jersey. The one state that we can't do a living trust in at least, that it's special is, no, yeah, not Colorado. <laughs> is Louisiana. And this is how old trusts are. So trust. Uh, when we, um, you know, started our country and we thought, think about the laws that we have here, uh, in the rest of the United States, we all use British common law is where the trust came from. Well, the Louisiana doesn't follow British common law. It follows French, French. common law. Right. And so the whole state has whole different rules around trust and probate and all that because Louisiana is not... Uh, following the British common law. So this is how important it is and how the wealthy have been able to pass on assets without going through this thing called probate. So a revocable living trust is what we're going to talk about today. It protects and preserves your assets and income while you are alive. In case you become, or while you're alive, in case you become incapacitated, it allows for uh, appointed individual to make your medical and financial decisions and it reduces the cost and time to move your assets to the next generation, preserving your legacy. Um, what is probate? So one of the things that uh, we talk about, the whole purpose of this is to avoid probate, but if we don't really know what probate is, uh, then, then we kind of, you know, don't really, doesn't really matter. Uh, so what is probate? Well, probate is a court process by which legal title of property is transferred from the descendant's estate to his or her beneficiaries. So whatever, you know, that um, legal title that you have and you have property or you have money, uh, those things need to be transferred to your beneficiaries. And so the state, in our case in Colorado and the rest of the 49 other states, they want to get in the game and say, how much are you going to give us for us to decide? So 
Um, so what happens is once the owner of the asset dies, probate court is the legal process needed to take their name off the title and assets put. And what triggers probate? So people ask me that all the time. What is the actual trigger of probate? So if you have real estate and you own any real estate, that's going to trigger probate. And then also if you have over 75 or 74K undisposed assets. So when I say undisposed assets, like your life insurance and your, um, what, what are some of them? I'm trying to think of I'll, some of the next slide. Um, uh, IRAs, that kind of stuff. You have a beneficiary that is uh, put on there. So the beneficiary, it automatically goes to them and there's usually not any tax um, liabilities or something like when, like when life insurance passes, it can't go to probate because it goes straight to the beneficiary. Um, but who wins in probate? Lawyers. That's it. That's the only person who wins in the, in the whole probate process. Or I guess the state, I guess, gets some of that money. Uh, usually someone over, like in Colorado, it's like 8.5%. So if you have $100,000, the state of California wants, eight, or California, the state of Colorado wants, you know, $8,500 on $100,000 state just for them, for the judge to say, this is what you want. So one of the things that people say is, uh, why don't I just use a will? So I put will here. This, is, this, this simulates a will. Uh, and so what does a will do? So if you have all these assets, and I'm using some props here. So let's say that um, I, you know, I, this is my estate. There's absolutely nothing in it. And so I get a little older and I go ahead and I buy a house. And I put my house and it goes in here. And I get some cars. Got some cars here. Um, I have some cash that goes in here. Um, you know, and I'm putting all this stuff in my will. I have some big money right here. This is big money. Let me tell you something. This, this is $100 right here, right? So I got my cash in here. Um, and so I say, okay, well, I got my estate. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a will out. And here's the thing. You do not need an attorney to write a will. A lot of people think I have to go and spend, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure there's somebody that I was talking to the other day. They said they spent $1,500 on, on a will. You can write on a piece of paper, I want my kids to have my house, and that will is good and binding as long as you go get it notarized and you have a witness that says that you did it. So you can do that and you put all these assets into your thing and then so you have a will, but what does a will ensure? It just ensures what happens is, is you die, the will goes on here and it locks all your assets. So now for the next, in Colorado, the minimum is six months. So for the next six months, all of your assets are locked down. And all that the will did is then the judge is going to pick it up and he's going to say, okay, on this will, it says that my son, you know, in my case, Devin or Stefan or Dominique, um, Ray or Ricky, uh, get my house. And then the judge goes, okay, after you sell the house and we take our eight and a half percent, then we'll give you the house. So all a will does is assure I should put it right side up right. All will does is assure that the judge will look at what you said if it's going to go to probate, and then hopefully they will determine. Now, what's really scary about just having a will um, is anybody can go to the probate court and say and make a claim against that will. That's why it's open for six months. I had a friend, um, Reggie, if you're watching at some point or you see this, you'll remember this, and his, his mom passed away. And, his, and she wrote in her will that the, his sister and him got the house. Well, she had a back house that had a renter in it. And before she died, he, the, the renter was helping take care of her and take her to the store and all that kind of stuff. And he went to the probate court and showed up and said, she said, I could have the house. 
And so in our probate world, a person who makes a claim doesn't have to prove it. The people who are the, are the beneficiaries have to prove he does or he doesn't. So that probate took three years. He lived in the house the whole time, didn't pay any bills, didn't pay anything before the daughter and the uh, son were able to get the house. And so, and all he had to do was make a claim on that. Remember that? It was so sad for three years. He's like, my mom died. They're super sad. This guy trying to get the guy that was in the back house out. He was just almost like a squatter. But all the, all she had a will. It was notarized. It was signed. But all it really said was, yeah. And so basically, so the judge takes, I'm using this to talk to the key, and then he unlocks it and he goes through it. Oh, I actually put this in the wrong box. So I just realized this for my presentation. How come you didn't say nothing? You just stared at me. All the money just fell down. That's all right. It was this supposed to be in the probate. All y'all listened to me and didn't even tell me I put the stuff in the wrong box. That's all right. So you're going to remember this when you're watching now, right? Do you want to restart the recording? <laughs> no, restart the recording. So all this is locked in the probate, and it's in the will. All it does is assure it. So what we want to do is we want to get a living trust. So probate, the average cost is 10% of the gross estate for probate. Cost, this includes your home CDs, brokerage accounts, IRAs, 401k, life insurance, and annuities. Those were all things, but again, like I told you, the IRAs, uh, the life insurance and the annuities, none of those will go to probate because those usually, you can't even get them without them asking who your beneficiary is. But you should also have a contingent beneficiary because sometimes folks forget to do that on some of those policies. And so let's say it was Renee and myself were in a car and she was my beneficiary. If I pass away, uh, all of a sudden, you know, or we both pass away, then who's the contingent beneficiary? And if that's not designated, it goes to your estate. And if your estate has it, ultimately, then, then we get the probate process, right? If we don't have a living trust. Um, there's, it's public legal. Oh, the other thing is it's a public process. I can already talk about that. And can be stressful in the executor of heirs. So one of the things we sometimes we call this like the poor man's way of doing stuff uh, is why not just put my kids on the deed? And the biggest reason that there's a few reasons that you own. One, you can do that. Yes. You can put your kids on the deed and then there will be no probate on the house. It will automatically go to your kids. But while you're alive, you lose control. You have loss of control. Now, I know we all have perfect kids and our kids love us. And, but I can tell you story after story where one of the kids says, no, I'm not going to let mom sell the house or I'm not going to let mom do anything with the house. And because they're on title and they have to sign to be able to sell it or anything, mom can't do anything else with it. I've seen kids try to take loans against the house uh, because now they're on title, so they go to whoever the loan person is and say, that's on my house. I have, uh, it needs everyone's signature. So you've got six kids, well, I happen to have eight. Now, if I put all eight on my title in my house, it would take all eight of them to sign to sell the house at some point. Uh, what if they get in an accident? And that's not even their fault, that your kids, they get in an accident, and in that accident, you know, maybe it was their fault or it wasn't their fault, but who, we got to sue happy society. And the first thing they're going to look up is the insurance company's going to look up is what asset did your kids have and your house shows up. All of a sudden, and I have seen people who have lost their homes based on a lawsuit that because they put their kids on the title. So that's not the best way to do it. Divorce in, in a community property state. So let's say either your, one of your kids gets a divorce. 
but they were married to, but they, and you put them on title and they were married to somebody that they left. That person that they left that they're divorced to still has rights in the community property state to that title of your house. And your, and your kids don't, aren't even married to them anymore. You're looking at me like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, you know, what if they stop paying their credit or there's something happens, they lose their job and they start paying. All of a sudden you, that's affected. The creditors are now coming after your place instead of theirs because they don't have any assets because they stopped paying. Uh, and then tax and capital gains, you know, there's a gift tax. There's a whole process of if you die and you give the, the, the capital gains is even from whatever the market value of the house is. But in, if you gave them the house or you put them on title when the house say it was worth 250, now it's worth 500 and they sell. Now there's $250,000 of capital gains that's involved because you gave them a gift when you put them on title and it doesn't affect it if, if they pass away and they do that. So um, that's cool. Uh, living trust is an entity you create to hold title to your assets. Uh, you are in complete control of your assets. It does not change the way you do taxes. The trust does not protect you from a lawsuit. Uh, the trust does not protect you from a nursing home. The trust simply avoids probate. So some people think, hey, if I get a trust, then nobody can sue me. They can sue you because it's still an asset. But the difference is it's a living document where like a will is, is, is not a living document. Uh, what happens when you pass? Well, they have immediate access to the trust, so you have an executor, and then you have beneficiaries. So uh, private, inexpensive, no stress, no probate. So our goal now is to take the stuff out of probate, and I am going to use the right box here, and I'm going to put all this stuff into my living trust now. So I'm going to avoid probate. All my cash is going in there, my cars, my gold, my assets are all now in the trust, and then the trust is now protected uh, as far as where my assets go and when the kids, when I pass away and I pull this out, my kids, oh, yeah, the house is mine now, the car is mine, the, you know, assets are mine, life insurance automatically went to me, doesn't have to go there. I, you know, what I say when you have a lot of, you know, let's say you have several kids, it's, it's even nice to have your beneficiary and your life insurance be the trust and then the trust explains how to distribute it. Instead of, you know, you can do that where you could put, like, we could put all eight kids uh, that we have on our life insurance policy and put equal amounts but all we had to put into our life insurance policy is the Arnold Family Trust and then that money goes to the trust and then the executor puts out you know in our case about 12 and a half percent or whatever that is for all eight kids would be able to get that portion of the trust uh, so it's the immediate act is private so where the guy who was sitting in the back house uh, that said my mom you know mom said that I could have the house he has nobody to talk to he could talk and he could scream and he can be on the ledge and he could even, but if the trust spells it out, and I brought a sample of the trust if anybody who's here wants to see it, uh, but it literally show up, even if it tries to go to probate, the person walks into probate and said, here's my trust, it's signed. They turn around, see ya. <laughs> Court can't do nothing because this is a legal binding living document that lasts uh, for the whole time. So it's inexpensive. Uh, there are folks that do living trust uh, that are pretty expensive, but you know, was, uh, there's a there's a place in town that I think they've done here in Colorado like eighty thousand trust, but they start at like twenty five hundred dollars, or or less than half of that. So no stress, no probate. Uh, living trust. You, so the living trust has a trust agreement. So I talked about that's just the agreement that, that the attorneys would see or people would see or the certification of trust. Then it has a durable power of attorney for finances. 
So this is in the case where you would have to go to court, let's say uh, somebody became incapacitated. So my, my grandpa or my dad became incapacitated where he doesn't mentally able to make decisions. In this trust, it has me as the person who says, I have the durable power of attorney for finances. And so as a result of doing that, I don't have to go to court and ask for conservatorship. And if you have ever been through uh, seeing how conservatorship works, it is so sad uh, when, when people, I, I've seen it where kids are arguing over who gets to be conservator over mom and dad and why mom and dad doesn't even have the capacity to be able to figure out and it becomes big fabulous arguments and that kind of stuff. And so I would say it avoids a lot of stress. Durable power attorney for healthcare, uh, guardianship. You know, I think I've, I've heard a couple people this last week were talking about dad has to come or mom has to come home and they have to live with who they're gonna live with. And there's one person that lives in Colorado, one person lives in another state, are we gonna move mom and dad? But you have to go to court to get guardianship uh, if, if you would like. I mean, I guess in a lot of cases you could just move them in and nobody's gonna say anything. But once you try to start doing legal stuff as a result of it, like medical stuff, then it gets really, difficult so that that is um, super important especially for healthcare because those decisions have to be made on home and who's allowed to it has what they call a living will which is the life support you know are we going to pull the plug are we not going to pull the plug who has the ability to do it that's all spelled out in our trust uh, we have a hipaa release these days hipaa and information is so so important uh, with, with the HIPAA release, what that does is it says these people have access to my medical records and then can start making decisions on what I'm able to do. Uh, we have um, a pour over will. So a pour over will, this, this is one of the coolest part documents that's in here. It means if I buy something after the trust and I didn't get a chance and on the way home I got in a car accident or I forgot to put it in there, it means that it automatically goes there. Uh, and then a deed transfer, so we make sure that your house deed is transferred. Uh, so this just kind of goes over what I just said. A living will is a legal document that details how you prefer to receive medical. Durable will, I just talked about that. Deed transfer, I just talked about that. And that is my 20 minutes of trust. And so I would love to answer any questions. And I may, I may there be a few before we have Abe come on. Let's go back to the, the beginning. There was a slide I wanted to catch because the answer to that question. Oh, I, I can give you the. And anybody that's online, if you guys want to copy the presentation, uh, let myself or Abe know, uh, and then we'll make sure you get a copy of the presentation. Because yeah, there's nothing in here that uh, that is isn't just you know. I'm not saying it's obviously it's not common knowledge because everybody had trust if it was, but it is knowledge that everybody should be able to have access to. So I will absolutely. Did anybody have any specific questions on? why a trust, what needs to go into a trust, why it's so important, why there are access to what they call irrevocable trust. Uh, irrevocable trust would be, you could set up in your living trust where you can go, we call it, the reason they call it irrevocable is because I can go take my car back out of it or I can go take my house back out of it and then put a new house in it and I can move things in and out. But once you pass away, you can set up trust for your kids, which would be irrevocable trust where you can say, you know what, if you have a alcohol problem, you can't touch any of this money for seven years. Or you could say, I, as somebody that's maybe a minor, until you turn 21, you can only have 10% of the trust. So you, be, you start making it irrevocable and you decide, I guess you're in control from the grave is, is what you're kind of doing. But you're saying, hey, based on like, my sister has a special, you know, my, my nephew's special needs and he has autism. So she has to set up something that will last his entire life if something were to happen. 
So it's super important and she probably has an irrevocable trust for him so that somebody like a guardian or somebody else can't go, oh, I want all the money right now. And then they go buy something and then end up not taking care of him. And so it's super important. So irrevocable trust means that once you put it in there, it's almost like an act of God to get stuff out of there if it's not spelled out exactly how it's gone in there. So that's a super important thing that we can, you know, when we sit down and we do a consultation and we go through your stuff and we're good to go. Does that mean I gotta go? No, you gotta come over here. Oh, yeah, oh, I walked out of the <laughs> She's waving at me like, get it back in the camera. What other? So what uh, documents are included in the trust? Let's go back to that. So this one all of that is, is it kind of like a standard for the living trust? It is for what most living trusts that most people do. It's what we offer and it's what most people have in their living trust. Mm -hmm. If you get one from whoever you get it from. Uh, additional documents, like if, you know, for irrevocable stuff, that, that can be added to it. But yes, in the ones that we have here, there, there's tabs here. What's really kind of cool, uh, as you're looking through it, like we have the community property agreement, but what, I, the, the things like information for survivors, that's a section that's in here where you can say, this is where grandma's watch is, or you know, that kind of stuff. And so you start putting all those things down. You start putting information like family trees, people they should know. It says, who should they contact? That's a good one, like who who all do you want me to contact? Because I surely don't know all the people my mom knows or my dad knows. And so they put it out and spell it out. This is who we want you to talk to. This is what you want you to contact. Here is your lost brother that you never knew existed. You might want to contact him. <laughs> you know, he's not lost. He just knew, nobody told you anybody about him. Uh, and then there's a section in here that says what to do when someone dies. So it literally, whoever goes and picks up this document, and goes, okay, this is exactly what I need to do. It was all spilled out. Mom had a plan. I know what, like, when my, when my grandfather, you know, I guess I can tell two real quick stories. My grandfather died. My mom has 11 brothers and sisters, and they all show up. My grandpa had a trust, and it spelled out, and everybody could even be mad that they didn't get or who gets what. But all I have to say is, this is what daddy wanted. You know, my, my mom's neighbor, uh, her husband passed away. This was crazy. Uh, her husband passed away. She it was a second marriage. So he had kids. And then I don't know if she had any kids, but he had kids from her previous marriage. They were married for 40 years after he had his kids. So he passes away. The kid, his kid, after the funeral, got a U-Haul and backed it up to the house and started moving stuff out of her house that she's been living in for 40 years. That's her stuff. It's not their stuff. But the stuff, well, dad wanted us to have this. And she's in that point where grieving. She's like, take it, whatever. And literally had to get some new furniture and that kind of stuff that was available that was in it. And because families just act up after. All right, so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, someone says, can you put a car and house into a trust if you still make the payments on it? No, you, you can put your you put your assets in there that are in there, especially a house. It does not have to be paid. So what happens on a on a mortgage or a car, that lien is still due. So if the, the, you know, you put it, you say, I want in my trust, I want my son to have the Camaro that I bought and I still owe, you know, $15,000 on it. So out of the assets, the son can pay out the $15,000 and then take it away because the bank's going to get their, their $15,000. 
if he doesn't have money to pay the $15,000 and the bank's gonna come back and get that Camaro, whatever it is. Same thing with the house. When, when somebody passes away, whether no matter what kind of loan it is, the bank's gonna want the payoff on the house. So the, the heirs have a choice between, do I sell the, do I sell the house? And then we pay it off and then split everything left, or do I try to get a loan on the house and then the kids can kind of decide uh, what they want to do there. But it, the, the, the debt still has to be paid off, uh, but it can definitely be, this is who I want to get it. You know, and kids will fight over, there were kids fighting over a watch that I think that they were talking about one time. And literally it went on for like a couple years over a watch that they, you know, that they believe that they should have. And it's just, it just gets so, they're literally not talking to each other for another 10 years over a watch that wasn't decided who wanted. Most of the time you, in here, you just put personal property if you don't care. But like my wife has sewing machines and she told me if she passes away that I can't, I can't do nothing with them sewing machines. She told me exactly who I have to give them to and how I have to give them. And I'm like, what if I take up sewing? She said, no, you <laughs> <laughs> take up sewing. So any other questions? No. All right. Well, thank you. I'm going to let uh, Abe come up because, we, you know, the other part of this is, okay, so now that they say that the family gets money and there's money that's available, uh, probably a good idea is learning how to invest it, learning about financial, you know, what do I do with money that I have to, whether it's investing or if I don't know what to do, you know, how do I make a plan to be able to do it? And that's what he's going to talk about tonight. So thank you for my time and the trust. And we will